Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, I also want to welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everybody who's here on the Modesto campus in the Worship Center. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live right now on our online campus. We're excited to be in whatever room you're in. Thank you, my friends. And if it is your very first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. I hope that today is a great encouragement to you. I hope that by being here today and hearing the truth of the Word of God and coming into contact with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be built up and that you'd be encouraged and you'd be better for it because you spent time with the Lord and with his family. And so if you're here for the very first time, we want you to know we're really glad that you are. Welcome. We're gonna be in Luke chapter one this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter one and you can turn to Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna be in both. I'm gonna flip back and forth between Luke chapter one and Ephesians chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, we would like to give you a Bible. It is our free gift to you. The way that we can do that is on the Modesto campus here, the room that says the altar room, it's a room we pray for people in after our gathering. We have Bibles there, free Bibles. They're nice Bibles. We wanna give one to you for free. If you're on our online campus, please contact Brand, Pastor Brandon Peterson and our online campus team. We wanna get you a Bible. We want everyone to have the ability, the opportunity to read the word of God for yourself that you might be transformed by God's word. This week, we begin a two-week series on the women of the Bible. Today, we're gonna look at a woman whose name is Elizabeth. And after this two-week series on women of the Bible, we're gonna do a two-week series on the armor of God called Battle Ready. That we might be prepared for the spiritual war that ensues all around us and is even happening right now. And there's a spiritual battle going on right now, even that we're gonna look at this woman Elizabeth's life together. And so I'm gonna use Luke chapter one as we explore this scene of Elizabeth. And we're gonna, we're gonna have this scene of Elizabeth's life pull up some themes. And as we address those themes that we see in the story of Elizabeth, we're gonna turn to Ephesians one to have those themes defined by the truth of the word of God so that we can see what the Lord teaches us about those themes. And so we're gonna flip back and forth between the two. So we're gonna pick it up in verse 39. Luke chapter one, verse 39. It says, in those days, Mary. Well, what it's referring to is Mary had just found out that she was going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and that the child that she was going to have would be the Savior, the Christ. 
And so a lot has happened in Mary's life. And today we're really focusing on Elizabeth, but a lot has happened in Mary's life. We'll see a little bit of her backstory in a moment. But she arose and went with haste into the hill country. She's running. She's moving quickly. I wouldn't say she's on the run. I would say she's running. She's moving fast. And she's changing locations, going through the country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And this house was the house of her relatives. So she'd had a lot going on in her life. And she's now moving very quickly, you know, from her hometown to go be with some relatives. As she's now heard that she's going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she's going to have a child. And it's going to be Christ the Lord. Now, to understand some of the backstory here, you just need to, on your own, read in Luke chapter 1. If you want to see the backstory of Zechariah, you can look at Luke chapter 1, 5 through 25. Those 20 verses help explain the backstory of Zechariah. We're going to pull a few verses out of there just so that I can explain the backstory of Elizabeth. But if you want to understand his backstory, you can look there. And then if you keep reading in Luke, you can see the backstory of Mary. The other character, besides Elizabeth, in verses 26 through 38. And a little bit later, we'll share something that will help us understand some of the backstory of Mary. But again, we're going to look at Elizabeth's story. And what is revealed in Elizabeth's story. And really five truths about life in Jesus Christ. As we look at Elizabeth's story and we see the themes that are addressed in her story, especially this encounter where Mary comes to her home with Zechariah there, and what we can pull out from that. And again, we're gonna switch between Luke 1 and Ephesians 1 so that we can really see the definition of these truths. So Elizabeth's story reveals five truths about life in Jesus. Now, Mary would have been very young. I do not know the age of Mary, but I do know that she was very young because of the way that the scriptures unfold her story. And as I thought about these five truths that we see, these themes that come up in Elizabeth's story and these doctrinal truths that we see in Ephesians 1, I could not help but think about my own 14-year-old daughter who's in the room right now and how I, as a dad, might believe these truths for my, my young woman who's in my home, my daughter, that as I see these truths in Scripture that I would believe them for her life also that I would believe that these things can be true in Jesus Christ for her. And so I share that with you so that you would know in a very personal way I've looked at this story and these truths and considered how they might have impacted a young woman like Mary and consider how they might impact a young woman in my own home and consider how they might impact all of us. These truths are for all of us as we look at, we look at them. Truth number one we'll introduce, you are blessed you are blessed. Truth number one, you are blessed. In Jesus Christ, you are blessed. God told Abraham in Genesis 12 that he was gonna bless Abraham so that Abraham could be a blessing. And in Jesus Christ, we are blessed. And to really embrace the truth that you're blessed, you gotta reject the lie that you're cursed. Reject the lie that God hates you. Reject the lie that God is punishing you. Reject the lie that you could never, you know, deserve to be able to have a relationship with the Lord and to experience his blessing and that it's not possible for you. You gotta reject that lie. The enemy wants to shove that lie down your throat that you're cursed. 
The enemy wants to attack you in that way. But the truth is, in Jesus Christ, you're blessed. To understand a little bit of the backstory of Elizabeth, we'll pull some verses, and I'm just gonna share it out loud, share the story with you, so enter into the story of Elizabeth. In verse five in chapter one of Luke, it says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and Aaron was the first priest in setting up the Levitical priesthood, and so this, you know, Elizabeth was, was a descendant of Aaron, her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God. Now, a really big statement. They were walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So this is, a, this is a couple that was really honoring the Lord, Zechariah and Elizabeth. But they had no child, and then listen to this phrase carefully, because Elizabeth was barren. That was the, the label that had been attached to her life. What a hard label to have publicly attached to your life that that would be the label that Elizabeth would bear, barren. And they were both advanced in years. And so being that they were both advanced in years, they would not have had any hope that that situation would change for them. They would have this label attached to them for the duration of their life. Well, in the passage, it goes on to talk about Zechariah being in the temple, and he has a, a vision of an angel. An angel comes to meet with him. In verse 13 it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Whoa. This couple advanced in age. Elizabeth had been carrying you know, the, the label barren and now they're getting a message from an angel saying, you're gonna have a child. Now, I'm not gonna define what advanced in age means, but if anyone here identifies with being advanced in age, what would it be like if you were to hear that message right now? that you're gonna have a child. And you shall call his name John. This is referring to John the Baptist. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. Where there was this sense of a life that had a, a hint of curse or, or you know, just this ridicule that they were experiencing now they're being told, you know, you're gonna have joy and you're gonna have gladness. Like the story's being flipped. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. It's referring to the baby, forecasting the baby's life ahead. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the mother's womb. Consider that, please. That a child in the womb would have the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna talk a little bit about being in the womb today because this passage addresses being in the womb very clearly. We're gonna do it truthfully and with grace. But what a statement that in the womb there was the ability for John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. What an incredible statement. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will be go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. What a message to receive. What a message to receive, to go, wow, life was going one way, and now life's going another way as the Lord is rewriting their story. It says in verse 25, 24 and 25, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and then listen to this, for five months she kept herself hidden. Advanced in age, had carried the label barren, 
now is with child, but is hiding. Maybe, maybe that scene some of you can relate to. For five months she kept herself hitting, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, listen, to take away my reproach among the people. She had been living in reproach. Buried underneath this label barren. And she's saying, the Lord's taken my reproach away. And she's recognizing the blessing of God in her life. It's, it's really quite incredible. You know, some people think that God came to curse us. That he's just trying to ruin our lives. But John 3.17 says something very different. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus doesn't come to you to curse you. Jesus comes to you to save you, that you might be blessed and you might be in him. And it's incredible. Where there's a story of lacking or curse or reproach, whatever the words are, disgrace, hurt, pain, the feeling of being empty, now there's a story that's full. There's a story that's full. There's a story that's blessed. Incredible. God can turn around any story that appears to be a complete disaster and he can turn it into a work of grace. God's grace is powerful enough to turn the worst stories around, the stories that are cursed to be stories that are blessed. He can do it. And Elizabeth in this moment is freshly aware of God's blessing in her life as we enter this story. So again, Mary, in haste, comes to her relative's home, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we pick it up now in verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, another reference to in the womb. The baby leaped in her womb. What is it saying? Elizabeth has a baby in her womb, and when Mary comes to the house and greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And now we see Elizabeth is now filled with the Holy Spirit. So not only was it possible for the baby in her womb to be full of the Holy Spirit, now mama is being filled with the Holy Spirit. What an incredible moment. Incredible moment. Wow. The blessing of being in Christ. Now, I wanna take a moment here to talk about the baby leaped. What an important statement that we find in scripture that the baby leaped. You know, there's a lot going on in our world right now regarding babies leaping in wombs. And this past week, I had a conversation with Aaron Kulhas, who's the director of the Modesto Pregnancy Center. I wanna share with you a clip from my interview with her. So let's enjoy this together. So what is your recommendation of how people act? What do we do from your perspective what are the ways that you would encourage people to act, to get involved, to be a part of the solution to what is a really huge issue? Sure, good question. So I would say um, one of the top and easiest things that, that you can do in order to get involved in the in pro-life movement, but also just um, taking a stand is get educated on the development of a baby while they're in the womb. Um, we don't like to debate things usually. 
and uh, stepping into a, a debate about if, if abortion be, should be legal or not, uh, it can be a really hard thing to step into. But one of the things that we have on our side is the truth of how God creates us and truly knits us together in our mother's womb. From a heartbeat starting at 21 days, um, babies have fingerprints, um, by the time that they're they're eight weeks old in their in their mom's tummy uh, that no one has ever had in the past, no one will ever have again. Getting educated on some of those things is a, is an easy way and a sweet way to step into that conversation, especially within our homes, especially with our kids, talking about the value of life and how God has uniquely made each of us. God has uniquely made each of us. What a beautiful statement. And the scriptures teach that. If you wanna see the full interview that I did with Aaron Kuhlhaas, you can go online to bvg.org forward slash interviews, and you can see the interview I had with her and interviews I've had with, with other partners. God has uniquely created us. You know, this last week, we had the National Day of Prayer. And I wanna share with you one reason why we need to be praying for our nation. And I wanna do that on this subject in regards to some comments that our president made a week and a half ago. So these are remarks by President Biden before Air Force One departure, May 3rd. You can find this very easily at the whitehouse.gov website. I wanna share with you three statements he makes that are about this subject. The first, he makes an argument that if people don't have the right to have an abortion, they don't have any rights at all. And this is how he says it. But it basically says that all the decisions related to your private life, who you marry, whether or not you decide to conceive a child, or whether or not you can have an abortion, a range of other decisions, whether or not how you raise your child. He's basically making an argument that it takes away all of your rights if you don't have the right to have an abortion. What I think is interesting about the statement is where he's willing to use the term child. He's willing to use the term child next to conceive, and he's willing to use the word child next to raising but he's not willing to use child next to the word abortion, which is very typical for those who are trying to argue for abortion because it's very hard to argue that and recognize that it's a child at the same time. The next statement I wanna share with you, he makes an argument that all basic mainstream religions are confused about when life exists. Look at what Roe says, he's referring to Roe versus Wade. Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded that the right that the existence of a human life and being is a question. Is it at the moment of conception? Is it six months? Is it six weeks? Is it, is it quickening, like Aquinas argued? I am not confused at when a life begins. A life begins at conception when God makes a life. And this statement from our president does not accurately represent Christianity. It does not accurately represent what the Bible teaches. It also doesn't accurately represent Roman Catholicism, which he attests to. The last statement I wanna share with you, he says, he slips up, he makes a mistake and he lets us know what, the, what he really believes. I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that's gonna say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child, 
based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. I think in this moment, our president let us know what he actually believes, that he knows that it's a child. It's life. And if a baby in a womb could be full of the Holy Spirit, and if a baby in a womb could leap at the sound of the greeting of the mother of the Messiah, I think the scripture is helping us know really clearly it's life. It's a life. Now, I'm not sharing this to be condemning. No, no, no. Not at all. And not judgmentally. But we need to have the freedom to talk about the truth and to extend grace at the same time. And we need to talk about what is true and stand up for what is true. Stand up for lives that cannot stand up for themselves. In John 1, 16, it says, from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. There is grace in Jesus Christ. No matter what your story is and what your history is, please hear from me. There is grace in Jesus Christ. And after he gives you grace, he has more grace he's gonna give you. There is grace. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have all sinned. And Christ died for our sin, and there is grace. No matter what the story has been written so far, no matter what your history is, there is grace in Jesus Christ. And God's grace transforms lives. It rewrites stories. And your story and my story can be rewritten by the grace of God for his glory. Now, I wanna take a moment to get caught up with the story of Mary, the backstory of Mary. Our team put together last year an incredible scene of, of depicting Mary's experience regarding this passage. And so we wanna enter into it and, and enjoy this together. So turn your attention to the screen. Abigail, it was awful. I don't know what I was expecting. I thought they would know. I guess... I thought they would help me understand. Know what to do next. That's not what happens, I take it? My father's face turned to ash. I actually thought he might faint. Then his jaw just kind of hardened like stone. And your mother? Just sat there, quietly cried. What are you gonna do? I need to talk with Elizabeth. The messenger said that she is with child. Maybe she had the same kind of visit. Vision of an angel? Yes. Maybe she can help me understand what's happening. What about your parents? might be good for them to have me away for a while. 
worry about your safety. said the Lord is with you but I feel alone he said don't be frightened and I have never been more scared Mary have you wondered if maybe you what if what you saw was just just what a dream Abigail, not you too. Mary, I do believe you. I believe that something happened. Just maybe not the way you think. I'd like you to leave. Mary. No, please leave. You've known me since we were little. We've shared secrets, joys. My parents' reaction? I can understand the shame that they have, but you are my friend. I'm sorry, Mary. But the son of the Most High? Poor families from a poor town. I don't know, Abigail. I have asked myself that a thousand times. What about David? Wasn't he lowly? Wasn't he the youngest? The forgotten brother that Jesse didn't even bother to bring to Samuel. I'm afraid of you, Mary. I'm afraid you might be grasping at straws. Since telling you, since telling my parents, I have faced nothing but doubt from the people that have known me my entire life. The people who raised me to fear the Lord to long and hope for Messiah. So no, Abigail, I am not grasping at straws. I am grasping for hope. heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. When we turn to Ephesians 1, we find this in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed. 
And you are blessed because you have Christ. He is the blessing. And every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, all of the blessing of heaven is available to you in Jesus Christ. And so the truth about you in Jesus Christ is that you are blessed. And I would encourage you to reject the lie that you are cursed. Come to Christ and experience the blessing of being in him. Truth number two, you are chosen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that you're a chosen race, you're a royal people, you're, you're a royal priesthood, you're a people that's been set apart for the purposes of God. You're chosen. But the enemy wants to shove a lie down your throat that you're rejected, that no one wants you, that you can be discarded. Horrible, horrible lies the enemy wants to throw at you. And I want to encourage you to reject those lies and embrace the truth that you are chosen in Jesus Christ. In our encounter with Mary and Elizabeth, in Luke 1, we see in verse 42 that when Mary comes in, Elizabeth exclaims with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. There's a twofold blessing that Elizabeth gives Mary in this moment. And she says, Mary, you as the mama are blessed and the baby that's in you is blessed. And Elizabeth was communicating powerful truth to Mary in this moment. And I imagine that Mary really needed to hear this truth. That God had chosen her for a purpose. In Ephesians chapter one, verse four, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world means it was before you were conceived. And that God chose you in him before you were conceived. God had already chosen you. That in Christ, you should experience what it is to be holy and blameless in Christ. That you're chosen and you're not rejected. You may feel, I'm very far away from God. I'm very far away from everyone. Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ dying on the cross that has made it possible for you to be near God, for you to be chosen by God. And so I would encourage you to embrace the truth, hold on to the truth that you are chosen and reject the lie that you are rejected. Truth number three, you are favored. You are blessed, you are chosen, you are favored. God actually likes you. Amen. <laughs> and so you need to reject the lie that you're forgotten and that no one remembers that you even exist. Because God knows that you exist. God knows you're here right now and God knows everything that's going on in your life. And with all of that knowledge, God knowing everything about your life and everything that's going on in your life, God loves you and you're favored in him. We see this in the story in the encounter of Mary and Elizabeth in Luke 1, verse 43, when Elizabeth says, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's saying, how come I'm getting this gift? How come I'm so favored that the mother of my Lord, Mary, should come to me, Mary being the mother of the Lord? Why am I so blessed and favored by God? In Ephesians chapter one, four and five, it says, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So 
Because God loves us so much, he predestined, he predetermined that we would be adopted by him to himself as sons, as daughters, as children of God through Jesus Christ. When someone adopts a child, they do it because they want to. And God wants you. You are favored in him. And he favors you and wants to pull you close. Hebrews 13, five and six, it says, for he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? You are favored in God, and you need to hold on to that truth, that you are favored in God, and you need, I wanna encourage you to re reject the lie that you are forgotten. You are blessed, you are chosen, you are favored. Truth number four, you are joyful. You are joyful. Did you know that it's possible that when someone asks you, how are you, you could respond, joyful. That's possible in Jesus Christ. That when someone asks you, how are you, your response with full authenticity could be, I am joyful. And I wanna encourage you to reject the lie, you are bitter. I've often joked that my personality is like my taste buds, bitter, but that's not a place to live in. That's not a place to hang out in. That's not something to let your life be defined by, is bitterness, and to let bitterness seep in and take hold and to grip you and to have bitterness be in control. So we see this encounter of Elizabeth and Mary in Luke chapter one and verse 44, it says, Elizabeth is now speaking, for behold, when the sound of your greeting, so Mary's greeting came to my ears, Elizabeth's ears, the baby, John the Baptist, in my womb leaped, again, leaped for joy. The baby is being described as having the ability to have joy in this moment. Think about that that a baby in a womb is experiencing joy. Is that not incredible? It's amazing. It's so amazing. And it is possible to have joy in Jesus Christ. He's our joy. In Ephesians chapter one, five and six, it says that according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. So when we find out that the purpose of God's life, of, of our life, that we have purpose, God's purpose for our life according to his will, this is going to bring us a lot of joy to know that our life matters in God and that our life has purpose in God. And when we realize we have purpose in God and we are joyful, it's gonna cause us to praise his glorious grace when we realize that he has given us so much grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Speaking of his son, Jesus Christ, that Christ has blessed us to have true joy because of Jesus Christ. We just spent two weeks looking at what it is to abide in Jesus Christ as our source. And Jesus said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It is the desire of the Lord that we would be joyful and we would experience his joy. And so come to Christ. Come to Christ and experience the truth that is in Christ, that you are joyful. You are blessed, you are chosen, you are favored, you are joyful. And the last one we're gonna look at is you are redeemed. Truth number five, you are redeemed. You are redeemed, meaning that the Lord is going to finish and complete the work that he has for your life 
to complete your redemption in Jesus Christ. And to really reject the lie that you are damned. To reject the lie that you're a lost cause, that your life is hopeless, that your life is doomed, and that there's no possible solution for your life. That is not what is true, because what is true is you can have redemption in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our redeemer, and in him you are redeemed. In our encounter with Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth now in Luke chapter one, verse 45, now shares something else with Mary. And Elizabeth says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so what Elizabeth is saying is, Mary, you believed. Mary, you believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to you. And you are blessed because you believed that the Lord was gonna complete his promise to you, that the Lord was gonna fulfill his promise to you. Well, we see what that looks like in Ephesians chapter one, verses seven and eight. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption. It's made possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven for all of our sins because God has riches of grace and he's chosen from his account of grace to give us the riches from his account. And he gave it to us and he lavished it upon us with all of his perfect wisdom and insight. God is gonna redeem us in Christ. This is an incredible truth that God will fulfill his promise to redeem us, that our redemption will be completed in Jesus Christ. Now, I've asked some of my young friends from Big Valley Christian School to help remind us of these truths from Ephesians 1. So let's look at the screen and enjoy this video. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. It's time to reject all the lies. In Jesus, this is what is true about you. Truth number one, you are blessed. Truth number two, you are chosen. Truth number three, you are favored. Truth number four, you are joyful. And truth number five, you are redeemed. So come to Christ and experience the fullness of his truth for your life. I wanna invite you to stand our team in just a moment is gonna lead us in singing to close our gathering. And I wanna share with you this last verse. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you come to Christ and you experience the truth that is to be found in Jesus Christ, that truth sets you free that you would have freedom in Christ because the truth of Jesus Christ 
is yours. May that be for all of us. Father God, Lord, we submit to you and may your truth have its way in our lives that we might live in freedom, being set free because of your truth. And so Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for an opportunity to come together as a church family. And God, may, the, may we hold on to your truth with both hands and hold on to you tightly that you might be the one to define what is true about our lives and that we might live in freedom in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said.